Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you're listening. This is Dan Turchin, host of AI and the Future of Work and CEO of PeopleRain, an AI platform for IT and HR employee service. If you enjoy the podcast, and I hope you do, subscribe to our newsletter. Go to peoplerain.io slash podcast. That's people, rain, like the reign of a king or a queen, R-E-I-G-N dot I-O slash podcast. You get bonus content and insights from our guests. Before we get to today's amazing guest, a few thoughts I need to share. Like you, I'm, I'm still wrestling with the, the magnitude of what's happening economically, politically, socially, culturally. As a global community, we're, we're literally defining the future of work every day. Work will change more in oh, the next 30 days than it has in probably the past 30 years. Here in the Bay Area where we are recording, the return to work has us all considering the future workplace. Companies around here like Twitter, Facebook, and Square, and now actually most companies, have made virtual work a permanent option. What does that mean for the future of, well, let's say cities, for small businesses, for occupancy, for rent, transportation, healthcare, education, law enforcement? What about salaries? What about benefits? First, our personal lives were disrupted and now the connective tissue of modern society is being reimagined. It'll probably be years before we have answers. Today, we have many questions and we have a special guest who sits really at the nexus of, of many of them. Slack has achieved verb status with tens of millions of daily active users and in fact, 330,000 of them at one customer alone, that's, uh, that's IBM, that's public information. What's it like being a leader at one of the most high profile companies in the pandemic economy? Well, today we'll sit down, virtually that is, with Shannon Burns, internal tools engineering manager at Slack, and we'll talk about what it's like developing tools for the engineers who develop one of the, mo one of the most beloved and important tools used by businesses. Shen and I first met uh, a while back, years back, when she was managing developer relations at Slack. I'm proud to say Shannon taught me to build my first Slack bot. She's inspired many of the best Slack developers around the world and has had a catbird seat as Slack has continued to redefine what it means to work. Shannon, thrilled to have you on the show. My first question, how in the world did a recreation, parks, and tourism major end up building developer tools at Slack? Wow, that is a, a wonderful introduction. Thank you so much. I hope I live up to all of that. Um, but yet to answer your question, how did I, I end up here? Uh, it was not my intention, I can tell you that. I, I would have not never guessed I'd be here um, when I was studying recreation in my degree in school. But essentially what I ended up doing was I went through a period, I graduated during the height of the last recession and uh, spent a, a lot of time wondering what I should be when I grew up. Did a whole bunch of odd jobs and uh, someone I ran into said, hey, you should, you should try your hand at this engineering thing. I had decided I was going to start my own company at that point and realized I needed to know enough about coding to hire engineers. So I, I taught myself how to code and um, ended up going to one of the early coding boot camps in the Bay Area uh, called Hackbright. And um, I fell in love with programming and um, it's all kind of been downhill from there, really. Uh, I ended up taking a job as a, an entry level engineer 
um, at a different company and hopped around a little bit, got into developer relations and um, met uh, the head of um, of the department at Slack through an event. And he said, why don't you come work at Slack? And I thought, oh my gosh, me. <laughs> and how here we are. And uh, it's been a really amazing journey. Um, I think that the realm of developer relations lends itself really well to um, to internal tools and, and thinking about developer productivity, actually. So it's been a really fascinating place to be, especially at Slack during this time, too. Now, you and I were on the ground floor when there almost wasn't a Slack developer community, and now there yeah. are hundreds of thousands of developers around the world. What did, what did you learn early on working with some of the first Slack developers? Yeah. So one of the things I really enjoy thinking about just in my, my spare time, because I'm a nerd, um, is about communities and especially technical communities. And um, so when I first came into Slack, um, one thing I, I, I have seen be true in my career and in my time being part of various technical communities is that when you have a company um, building an extension from their internal community of the developers that work there um, to support an external community of developers, that there's a relationship that the culture kind of carries over from one and into the other and, and back and forth. And so um, part of what I did when I first joined was I really mapped out and got, uh, got to know what the community internally was like um, to try to inform the strategy for the external community uh, and build a stronger connection between the two. Um, um, and so as part of that, I, I really did a lot to kind of get out there and get to know both the people that worked internally at Slack as developers early on uh, and the external, you know, burgeoning community of bot developers and Slack platform developers um, and then facilitate kind of connections between the two. One of the interesting things that I saw actually was that um, when you work for a like a well respect a tool or a tool that's doing well it, it, people really seem to enjoy and love um it's it's a fascinating experience to be involved in the community representing a company in that position it's unlike any place else i've ever been i've never um quite before now had the experience of trying really desperately to hear the pain of developers and hear the complaints um, from developers uh, and and had to struggle so much to do so, which sounds a little strange to admit, but I think there's an element of trust that people don't necessarily consider when the reputation of a company is um, is fairly good. You really need to do some work to cry out from people that you know the the, the good things are lovely to hear, of course, but I really genuinely care about your negative experiences, and so how can I kind of build that trust with you that you know, as a, as, a, as a developer building on top of the platform that, you know, we as a company deeply care about your experience. So please complain to us because those complaints are so valuable. So yeah, I think that that's one thing I, I definitely found really fascinating um, and really loved about my time working with the, the early developer community. We had Alan Leinwand on the show recently and he reiterated that same thing. He said that just the myopic focus on feedback from customers is genuine. What is it about Slack, the company culture, that you think has most contributed to the company's success? That's a really good question. It's hard to distill that into one thing, but if I try my best, uh, I think there's actually just a couple of things I'll highlight that I, I believe are really 
have been very key. Obviously, I think in terms of helping a company be successful, a huge part of that is product market fit and opportunity striking and um, and, and being prepared enough to, to answer the call of um, an opportunity in the market. Um, but all that decided uh, to set aside, um, I think that the, the cultural elements of Slack that really helped and have helped in the time I've been there have been this commitment to a genuine sense of wanting to make work better for people. Um, that's so foundational to who we are as a group of people working on a product. People there genuinely do want to make work better for people. So many humans have um, a negative experience going to their job every day. And it feels to me like such a big area um, for um, making improvements. And if you can make a small improvement in somebody's work life, we spend so much time at our jobs every day. You know, that, that makes a huge impact on people's actual lives and experience in the world. So I think the, the genuineness that is there, uh, the genuine care about trying to make a, a small difference, even if it's a small difference, has been super helpful. Uh, and I think also there has been, in my time there since the beginning, a, a willingness to have the difficult conversations in an empathetic way, to acknowledge the elephant in the room, never feel like we're done. People I interview with who want to come work at Slack and sometimes the the thought, you know, I hear all these lovely rosy things about how the perception is that it's such a wonderful place and it is. I don't want anyone to feel like we've got the idea that we're done um, because regardless how, how rosy things can be in the context of things today, there's just so much more potential to be better. Now, the past few months have challenged every manager and speaking to the point you just made about genuinely trying to improve continuously how has your leadership style changed and what are some of the things you're doing to keep your team motivated and productive that's a really great question one of the things i find fascinating being um, a manager of a team that is dedicated to improving the productivity of developers uh, at slack itself. Uh, this is a fascinating time for us. Um, I think right now as a manager, the one of the biggest challenges I'm seeing is being faced with recognizing and, and acknowledging and supporting your team in a way that is humane and, and honors that productivity and output is um, not the end-all be-all of your employees' lives, right? That we are all people <laughs> and right now may not necessarily be the time to really push and focus on output and productivity in the normal way we're thinking. And so the way that my leadership has really focused um, has been around uh, encouraging empathy for each other, acknowledging uh, the stress that we're all under each day and and making space for people to be uh, vulnerable and, and human with each other right now. Um, and I find that the more that I invest in that with my team and encourage my team to do that, uh, the, the better able we are to deal with the, the challenges to productivity right now. That by allowing us to have a workplace where we as a, as a team 
agree to foster each other in bringing our full selves to work, however it is that we are that day, it, it allows us to not have to spend so much time fronting or putting on a good face, which ends up taking away from time that you could be productive, right? Um, and, you know, sometimes it means acknowledging that we may not hit the big project goal at the timeline that we originally thought before the pandemic started and social unrest started happening and so many life people's life situations have changed so dramatically. Um, being flexible and willing to adapt to the situation from a place of, uh, of wanting to be more conscious and aware of what's going on. I think that's the biggest way that my strategy as a leader has changed. Stuart, your, your CEO, was one of the early leaders in Silicon Valley who made semi-permanent, I think through end of year, uh, work from home optional. As a manager, do you see that as an impediment to productivity or is there a way that you can use that as a, as a, as a tactic or use that as a way to, to keep your team engaged? So productivity is something that's so difficult to measure, um, but that is one thing that my team aims to do, however difficult a problem it may be. And one of the ways in which we do that is by, by um, trying to very carefully select certain metrics. How many PRs are getting pushed out in a day, like how many of those PRs are successful, how many of those, what percentage of those are healthy, um, versus unhealthy uh, uh, metrics along these lines. We have a whole lot of them. Uh, it turns out actually, if we're looking at the metrics that we currently have and caveat, any type of productivity metrics are going to be imperfect, right? Um, but looking at what we have, we actually don't see any decline in productivity since the pandemic um, at Slack, which is shocking. We definitely expected a dip in productivity. We've, we've been very um, compassionate toward our employees and acknowledge this as well and, and encourage people to take time off when they need it to take care of themselves. Um, but I think one of the things that I'm, I, my hypothesis about that um, and one of the things I'm seeing in my team and trying to account for is that uh, the shift to remote work for those of us who are not already working remote or used to it, that many people are losing their stopping cues and starting cues for work. So uh, I think one thing that you might see is a potential risk for burnout in the long term, um, but you may not, you may actually not have the dip in productivity that you might've been expecting, um, which I, I think is actually something to be cautious of rather than optimistic about. So we're trying to keep an eye on it carefully and also really encourage people to prioritize their emotional health and well-being over um, productivity uh, metrics right now, um, but showing them that data themselves too, so that they can, uh, you know, match up their perception of their own productivity. Because that's something I hear anecdotally quite a lot too, is the sense that I'm not being productive enough as an employee or as an individual contributor. And then being able to kind of help look at the data and combat those nerves and say, okay, well, that feeling that you're having um, you know, if I look at this, you've been doing actually a really excellent job. And maybe maybe you can take, you know, take a little weight off there and, and pull back a bit and say, you know, I am actually showing up. I am actually doing a really great job. And it's amid a pandemic. And, you know, maybe you should be proud of that. I love that idea of being intentional about not forgetting the starting and stopping cues as managers, as leaders of 
intense type A teams, it's incumbent on us to think about that quality of life and make sure that working from home doesn't become a license to live from the office. <laughs> those, exactly. Those can be very different. And exactly. um, I, you know, I think about your role where your internal customer is a developer and presumably when there are developers working in the office, there are certain techniques that you have to engage the developers for feedback. Are there any kind of mechanisms that you're, you, you've cultivated to compensate for that lack of face time with your customer? Right. That's, a, that's also a really good um, call out. We have definitely had to shift. We um, previously relied a lot on a lot more than I think we recognized on the in-person relationships that we had developed with our teams that we um, that depend on us being able to go over uh, and and sit in a conference room is a luxury that we don't have anymore. Um, and getting to hash out in a diagram on a whiteboard um, the problems that people are really facing and get clarity in that way is um, is something that we're having to translate online. Uh, some of the ways that we've been making up for that is uh, it's actually been very helpful for us uh, in general, um, this shift, because it's helped us to become more conscious of how our processes were working beforehand and try to identify new ones that might be more effective for us in the longer term. Um, so some of the things we've been doing is, is actually hosting more Zoom facilitated user research where we're doing more brainstorming sessions, listening sessions, trying to hear what the problems people are facing. One of the particular interesting things about working in an internal tools service oriented type team is that people come to you with full fledged uh, solutions to their problems without really a language for talking about what their problems are. And so we end up spending a lot of time getting good at interpreting the problems that people are facing when their language is about solutions. That's, uh, that's fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. Whiteboarding is a great tool for helping people see, get to the root of the actual problem um, when, when they have a, an idea in their head of a solution. Uh, and that's something we're trying to figure out still how to translate uh, remotely. We've been playing around with Jamboard a little bit, but yeah. if you have any suggestions, let me know. <laughs> I'm looking to you for suggestions. <laughs> we're, all, we're all figuring this out in real time. Yeah, it's true. We are doing more, more um, Zoom calls with our customers, but then uh, at the same time, because Zoom, people can have Zoom fatigue. One of the things that we, we have been doing during the, throughout the pandemic is um, on a regular cadence, reviewing how many meetings we're having. Uh, so that way we can keep the number of meetings low and try to find the right balance. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge because on the one hand, I think losing the fidelity of in-person tends to mean you pendulum to the other side and, and shoot for more meetings. Uh, but you got to be careful of that because yeah. then you, you need those meetings, the quality of those meetings to be high. Now we in the, uh, in the Slack community, we uh, perseverate over every new feature, <laughs> every new emoji. Uh, I think when the new mobile app came out recently, it practically broke the internet uh, <laughs> in a good way. Um, now you as a, as a superpower user, tell us about one, uh, one hidden feature of Slack that you use all the time that you think uh, maybe the, the rest of the world hasn't yet discovered. Ooh, you know, it, it's hard being such so close to it uh, the tool myself, it's hard for me to recognize what people actually aren't familiar with. But I would say 
one thing if people are not using it heavily um, already is uh, reminders. Um, I am a very forgetful person, so having reminders uh, that I can just set on a, a channel message, like on a message in a channel or a DM from someone is so helpful. <laughs> uh, there's also the saved items feature, being able to bookmark parts of conversation or files that people share uh, and then come back to those has been massively helpful. I also love the new collections. You and me both. <laughs> Um, do you have a favorite app? There, there are now thousands of them in, in the store. No, there's so many. Um, I feel like if I have a favorite, then I'm picking, you know, between children. <laughs> uh, I haven't used it in a while, but Taco Bot used to be a, a thing. I, I love that. <laughs> Taco Bot. Donut is amazing. Crazy Taco Bot. I like Donut as well. Donut is great. Donut's good for, uh, for remote check-ins. With, uh, oh, yeah. With it's team. really excellent for onboarding. I'm onboarding a, a, an intern yeah. as we speak, and it's been such a delightful experience. Beautiful. Thinking back about work and the future of work and how it's changing in real time, what do you think is one thing that we'll do in the, in the workplace, call it in three to five years, that today would seem silly or just unlikely? I think that one thing I would not have foreseen at all happening before the pandemic that probably will start happening more and more now is um, hiring people without ever meeting them in person. <laughs> hiring people through remote interviews and having the entire interview process for be remote, um, potentially ac all across the world and then, uh, and then never having met them in person, I think that's gonna become more of a regular thing. I'm sure there's companies already doing that that have that experience, but. I think it will become a mainstream thing. Have you gone through that full cycle yet? Uh, not personally on my team, but I know that it has happened. Like, like there's, there's definitely other people at Slack that are doing it now. Good insight. Same thing in the venture community with investing in companies. Yes. Sight unseen. Now, uh, we're about out of time, but I got to get in a last question or two. <laughs> Your advice for a, a younger version of Shannon. Oh, I love that question. I think I would say be willing to be, be, be more willing to be uncomfortable and lean into the discomfort, acknowledge, acknowledge the feelings that people have in the workplace earlier on. Feelings that you have about like your, your own anxieties or feelings that other people have toward you or? Uh, yeah, both. I think, um, one thing, uh, an earlier version of myself, I, I didn't recognize the importance of um, was really being willing to be authentic in owning uh, who you are every day and in um, your emotional landscape that, um, you know, I think there's a, this pretense that we want to pretend that we're able to kind of put on these faces and be, you know, work the work version of you and the, the home version of you. And um, I have found just personally throughout, uh, throughout my life and my career, the more I'm willing to allow myself to be who I am without having to put on a mask, the more effective I am. I think it also opens a door to um, allow other people to show up fully as well. Yeah, well said. It's okay to be a little bit vulnerable. Yeah. And be, be proud of that humanness. 
I happen to know that outside work, you're a bit of a, a bit of a Renaissance woman. You have a lot of <laughs> a lot of passions and interests. What's the what's the hobby that you credit with getting you through the quarantine? So surprisingly, probably meditating. Um, I have a daily meditation practice, and that's that's been getting me through. It's been keeping me sane. Uh, but I've also been taking up uh, creating coloring pages for all of my, my friends who are parents and have kids at home. And you know that I'm queued up because I have two <laughs> daughters that would love nothing more. You're some, on the list. <laughs> Shannon Burns coloring pages. And thank you for the offer. Um, with, with that said, Shannon, we're, we're out of time. This has been so much fun chatting with you. It feels like we're just getting started. Maybe as, uh, as the world continues to change, Maybe we'll have you back for the second version of this conversation. Would that be okay? <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thanks to everyone for listening. Again, if you like the podcast, go to peoplerain.io slash podcast. Sign up for the newsletter. You'll get bonus content and uh, more insights from great guests like Shannon. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful day.